You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season 4 of the Starter Set. I am one of your hosts, Mark of the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight, I have my catastrophically creative and eternally optimistic, I flipped them this time, co-host, uh, Gibbles and Bits. Gibby, welcome to the, uh, this is the late night Legends Cast special, because we're recording this mere hours, less than 12 hours from when this actually releases and goes out live tonight. Yes, burning the midnight oil with with you here in the studio, buddy. But happy to be doing it. We, uh, you know, it, it, schedules get hectic around the holiday times. We've always got things going on, whether it's you with Lux or with family or, or just anything else when it comes to celebrating the holidays. So you find time to record when you can. But while you're sitting yeah. on the couch, not like entertaining people every moment, what are we doing? We're playing games on our phone, which is what we're recording about. So it worked out anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we got a chance to jump on record. This is a little uh, little kind of Thanksgiving special. I'm actually recording this in my office in, on a old boom mic rather than recording this with my nice microphone. So if you think that my voice sounds a little higher and less smooth and sultry, it's because the microphone has always tricked you into believing that my voice was smoother and darker than what it actually is. Uh, so, you know, your voice on a mic that you don't intend to be on that you wouldn't ideally be on is your voice is more sultry and smooth than 90% of our voices out there could ever be. Oh, so you have, that's very nice. Kid. You have a, you have a voice that is perfect for podcasting and for radio. I almost said it back wrong. Like, you know, that old, uh, you have a face for radio. Yeah, yeah, like I almost I was trying to avoid saying that and it sounding like sarcastic or mean because I was trying to genuinely compliment you. Uh. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Well, listen, I do have a face for radio as well, but uh, we are we're recording a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about Monster Train, talk about a couple of things that I mean, you know what? It's good just to reflect and be thankful as we get ready for the holiday season. Um, we're getting ready for you know, Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for New Year's, for the gift buying extravaganza that will mm -hmm. be the next couple of weeks. You know, we're buying, I bought some Christmas decorations for the studio this week. Um, and we're going to be decorating uh, after our live service this Wednesday and uh, getting a couple of little Christmas trees up. Are you, are you guys like, a, do you decorate for Christmas before or after Thanksgiving? Are you like a before or, or do you? force it to happen after Thanksgiving. This is a controversial house. topic, I know. It really but is. Yesterday, Mackenzie, I'm laying on the couch, and all of a sudden I hear just this commotion coming from the garage. And there is there are certain, like most of our boxes, we have our attic above our garage, so the whole, you pull the generic string down, and yep. the ladder mm -hmm. kind of unfolds, and the whole top part of our garage is our attic. And most of our stuff is up there. But there's a couple boxes that we never brought up there just because of weight or how heavy it was, whatever it might be, or just how big the box was that just wasn't going to fit up there that we've just kept in our garage since we moved to Memphis last year. One of them is the Christmas decorations box. And all of a sudden I just hear this loud dragging noise and commotion coming from the garage. And it's Mackenzie bringing in our Christmas decorations. And we have, this is the first year since Mackenzie and I have been together and we've been together for um, five years, roughly I'll say. Um, <clears throat> 
and this is the first Christmas and, and Thanksgiving we'll be spending not traveling, which is big. Oh, for us. that's so nice. we've always we've always either gone to my family in New Jersey or we went to go see her, her father the past couple of Thanksgivings in um, Panama City, Florida, when he was stationed there in the military. So but we're going to be home and not entertaining anybody. So you guys we, and your daughter and our new daughter. And we just get to kind of spend some nice quality time. But to answer your question, we 100 percent will skip Thanksgiving and decorate Christmas ahead of time. OK, like so it, you're you're getting the decorations up now, like pre Thanksgiving. Yeah. Stockings yeah. are hung by the fireplace with care. There our little go. mini our mini Christmas tree is up. We even made like a new like you get clay and then you press your a, a baby's handprint into it and then you put it in like in the oven. And it like solidifies and you can hang it as an ornament. Okay, we have, cute, we made that for Aubrey. So, um, oh, yeah, we're, nice. we're in full Christmas mode, but nice. we're doing something kind of funny for Thanksgiving though. So everyone disagrees about what the best part of a Thanksgiving meal is, right? Whether yeah. Like I, turkey, I mean, it's stuffing, but yeah. So you see, so, you, so you'd say stuffing. Yeah. I'd say stuffing. Right. So one thing that Mackenzie and I did, regardless of what, what side, cause it's usually where the controversy lies is what sides. Regardless mm-hmm. of where you fall on what sides are the best, I think a lot of people agree that the sides are tend to be the best part. Mackenzie yeah, like and I all have, of the fixins, right? All of the yeah. things that go along with the turkey, you know. So so Mackenzie and I have decided that we are going to have a sides giving where we oh. are skipping, we're foregoing the turkey, we're foregoing the ham. That's the most work. It's easiest to mess up too. And like, we are we are literally just going to make our favorite sides. And that's okay. gonna be our Thanksgiving meal. Okay. Okay. I could get behind that. I think I can. I mean, I do like the turkey. Don't get me wrong. Like I oh, am, it's, it's a, I am a fan of the bird, but I don't ever have to make the bird or cut the bird or do it. Like I just literally Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Cause it's the holiday of which I have no responsibility. Like I'm not trusted in any kitchen. <laughs> um, I'm not trusted with any knife. Uh, like my sole responsibility is to eat food. And so, and be merry so, and be a presence. Yeah, just be hopefully, yeah, hopefully be present, right? Yeah, not not on my phone the whole time. Um, so we uh, we always do after. So like literally the day after Thanksgiving is a little holiday parade in my town called Light Up Night. And we usually wake up Friday. We on Black Friday, we'll do a little shopping on Amazon. We'll work our way slowly into the day with coffee. I go get all the Christmas decorations and put up the tree. My wife and kids decorate the house. I go play video games for a while, and then we do the parade that night. But this year's a little different because uh, a woman named Millie, who, if you guys are completely unfamiliar, just listen to the show. I'm a pastor. I pastor a completely online church built by gamers for gamers called Lux, L-U-X, Digital Church. And so um, we have a mission partner in Uganda uh, that runs a school and an mm-hmm. orphanage in which I've been there two times. We're going back in February and spending some time over there. I have a little girl that my wife and I have been supporting for the last four years, five years now, almost, named Lynette. All of that to say, Millie, who uh, is married to a guy named Robert, who started the school and orphanage of about 450 kids in the school, a whole bunch of orphans. I get into it. Point is, she got a visa and had to use it the first time within the first 30 days to come into the US. So she came into the Boston um, earlier this week and then flew in to uh, Pittsburgh, where I live, and has been living with us since Sunday. And she's going to be here through next Wednesday, so the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. And so uh, we have her for about 10 days, a little over 10 days, I guess, um, in this area. So she's going to be celebrating Thanksgiving with us. Um, so we're actually not going to decorate on Friday this year. I'm going to skip the first day of deer hunting. 
and we're going to decorate on Saturday because she's going to be with somebody else on Saturday for a couple of days that is here in the area. Um, and so it's going to give our family a little chance just to wind down after a season of a lot mm -hmm. of travel and then immediately Millie coming and living with us, which has been amazing and really, really cool experience. That's so special. Yeah, it's really, she, I mean, I could, I don't even want to get it. If, if you're really interested in this, you can message me on discord and I can get into it, but it's really cool. And I'll, I'll say this, I'll give a little plug. If you're interested in sponsoring a child in Uganda and know like firsthand that the money's actually going to them and you're helping them, I'll throw a link in the description of this episode, but luxdigitalchurch.com slash Uganda. You can check out and sponsor a kid. It's a season of giving. It's a great time to and come and come join an us orphan. for Lux Digital Church on Wednesday. Wednesday nights, yeah, 8.30 On Wednesday every week, but yeah. particularly the service you're talking about that you've been preparing for on November 22nd, the day that this uh, episode is coming out. Come yeah. join Millie's going to be there live for that whole service, too. She's yeah, so if you want first a first-hand account of, of this uh, glorious, wonderful person of a human being that Mark is talking about, of, of Millie, come to Lux Digital Church on Wednesday, and you'll, you'll get to see her live and in person. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to see you there. So anyway, uh, that's enough of the plug. That's enough of the plug. For <laughs> um, uh, but we've been both playing some games, Gibby. I don't know how much Monster Train you got in, but I did watch some of. I think I can't remember what the name of the tournament was, but I watched some round of some tournament in Pokemon Unite that you guys were in this week. So we did, did compete. Something? Yeah, we did compete in a in a finals of, or it was. So we've been competing in a couple leagues. Pokemon Unite. We actually just left one of the leagues that we have been a longstanding member of called the PUCL. Uh, it's a Europe. It's a European league almost entirely. I think we were the only uh, American team. So we oh, okay. did make we did leave that league just because we had gained some traction in some other avenues on Pokemon Unite within our, our five stack team called the Past Primates uh, on the American server, which tends to be better for the, the quality of the game. Your your inputs are a little bit faster and you you can make a little bit better decisions. Uh, usually easier to schedule with the time difference and all that. So we did leave the PUCL uh, a couple weeks weeks ago. We were in this one league called the Weakness League, and it's we had you play a different opponent every single week, almost in a round robin of these eight teams. And then this past weekend was the finals, where they pretty much seed everybody, and then it's a best of three single elimination tournament. Well, uh, we had some conf some scheduling conflicts where people weren't able to make it up until the tournament. One of our members, our captain, actually even missed the tournament entirely uh, for the first round. He was possibly going to make it for the second round. We got bounced in the first round. We lost two to one in the best of three. So, you know, it, it was disappointing, but it it's no harm, no foul. It, it really was not that big of a deal. But mm. um, we competed in a, a bigger tournament actually previous to that on the weekend, the weekend prior um, for we, we got a private invite to this tournament. Um, just because of some of the of how well we had been performing in other in other avenues and other leagues, and it was a it was so long. I think it took. I think this is the one I was talking about where it took like twelve hours, and we did really really well and lost in the finals of this best of three and even at one point best of five tournament. Um, as we got closer to the end uh, of, I think it was like eight to twelve teams or something like that. So we've had some really good production and some not so great production with with Pokemon mm. Unite, but enjoying it nonetheless. There's a lot of exciting things in the game. Um, right now, they just announced that they're going to put Gyarados in the game for all of the oh, classic Pokemon Unite fans. That's kind of exciting. And then they're even doing some um, Mascarada is coming in soon. Um, and then uh, Maridon 
is going to be, I think, coming to the game too. Oh, I'm kind of surprised about Mascarada. Not not so surprised about Maridon, if I'm being entirely honest. Yeah, I think I think they're. What's the new What's the new area in a lot of the new Pokemon games called? Uh, Paldea? Paldea. Paldea. Yes. So I think they're they're moving towards uh, a lot of the Paldea uh, Pokemon. Ah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Adding them to the game was almost a priority. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on in, in Unite as a little snapshot, but. Um, okay. Have you been playing any? What have you been playing? Uh, you know, I haven't had a, I haven't had as much time to play games over the course of this last week. Um, there is a new season of Teamfight Tactics that is on the PBE server right now, so the play like the test realm, and I have been checking that out and have been enjoying it. It's really interesting. So that's all. If you guys, don't, if you don't know much about League of Legends, like they have. Okay, do you remember when uh, in Legends Rune Terra they had like the KDA expansion? Oh, yeah. And, like every one of those. Okay. So they like have the like alternate um, universe, whatever it was. Yeah. They're all like pop stars, right? Mm-hmm. They have like K pop stars. They have like heavy metal stars called Pentakill, was like the name of the band, yada, yada, yada. So they have all of these different ones. So all of the characters are part of one of the various bands in the new season. And depending on which band you have staged, so like let's say you have the Pentakill team out, you know, you lined up enough factions to activate the pentakill trait or the kda trait or whatever it actually changes and mixes the music in game so you'll get different music depending on which type of team you have out so if you have a team with a bunch of people from jazz or like hype there's a punk band one there's like all of these different genres of music I think it's probably the the utmost, absolutely most confusing the game has ever been in terms of like <laughs> the actual look of the characters. It's so confusing to figure out who is who. It's just, it's terribly confusing. But the game was fun. Like the game is fun. And so I've been doing a little bit of that. Played a little bit of Monster Train this week. Um, and honestly, beyond that, I kind of got back into Baldur's Gate 3 a little bit and and started dabbling around with that like a day this week. But on it just literally haven't had a ton of time to play. Just haven't had a tremendous amount of time to play. Yeah. Um, and been doing a little table topping. Like I I, uh, I got in, I, I started painting Star Wars Legion miniatures again um, and just trying to wrap up my army because we have a game day coming up in between Christmas and New Year's um, that we're getting ready for and building a new board, battle mat for, battle board for, and getting minis ready. And I, um, you know, as it turns out, the early Black Friday deals from Amazon were too appealing. So I'm starting to build a clone trooper army now with uh, Anakin Ooh, Skywalker and Yoda cool. in it and stuff and Captain Rex and some people from the, yeah. So I, that's, that's kind of exciting. So that, that's been fun. Um, but yeah, another no, plug, man, one other plug for my gaming that, um, should not be on, on, on talked about, um, that I had mentioned on previous episodes was the rise of the floodborne event that I got to compete in. Oh Lord yeah. Kana. We don't want to miss that. Tell me about that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So that happened this past Saturday. And I will mention even prior to that, I also know there was, I think it was literally the night before. So Saturday is when I competed on mine this past Saturday. Um, and then on the Friday, so the day before mine, uh, DBN got to compete in a Rise of the Floodborne event as well in his local game store. So it was funny because so he, I didn't know he was doing that, but he like he was going to get to compete in one. But his format was a little different than mine. So his he went to compete in this uh, format where they they got, a, uh, I think, one of the starter decks and then a collection of cards, um, like like four or five packs or something like that of the booster packs somewhere in there. And they were told, create a 60-card deck. It's colorless. So typically in Lorcana, you have to comprise your deck of no more than two colors, kind of like a like a um, Legends of Runeterra. 
You have mm, to comprise okay, it yeah. of no mm. more than two colors of the ink colors. His this format that they did was colorless. So you could use any cards you want to that you had available to within the packs you opened or the starter deck that you were given, the random starter deck that you were given. Um, and he had a pretty good showing. I think he said he was in the top 25% of of the tournament that he played in. But oh, nice. he got firsthand uh, some of the cards and how they were performing. And he was like, okay, do you want me to tell you? It was Friday night or like Saturday morning. He was like, do you want me to tell you how some of these cards performed? Or like my biggest winners, biggest losers versus expectation before you go to your event today? Or do you want to go in blind? And I said, no, give me the give me the deets. Give me the info. I yeah, want to I also want to com- I also want to compare your notes against what I think um, after the event. So he had given me kind of the rundown because my event was different was you, they gave you both starter decks, um, both of the the pre-made starter decks for the for chapter two. They each come with a pack inside of them, a booster pack. OK. You get one extra booster pack. So you have the two starter decks and three booster packs, and you have to create a deck that is two colors, which wasn't colorless. So the starter decks don't create or don't contain emerald. They don't contain ruby. So that was kind of out of the question for putting those two colors in your deck is going to be almost impossible because you just didn't have the density. Um, but I created a sapphire and steel deck. And um, out of 40 players, I took third. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a big turnout too. 40 players, 40 players. Well, that was the cap. Like he had a lot. The store owner had a lot more interest than um, spots he had available. He capped it at 40. Wow. So I went three wins and one tie. I didn't drop a match Um, or like I I didn't drop a set because it was best two out of three in each round. It was 50 minutes. And I if you if you're tied one one with your opponent and in game three, the timer goes off at the 50 minutes. He says, okay, timer's up, it's turn zero, and then you have you and your opponent go back and forth. I'm turn zero, he's turn one, I'm turn two, he's turn three. You go to five turns, if the game's not over, it ends in a tie. Um, that specific game ends in a tie. So I had okay. him on the ropes, I was at 18 lore, I would have won the next game, but he smartly played for his outs and played for the tie, so it, it went down as a tie. So I won, three, I won three matches, and I had a tie, which was a great turnout for me. Um mm. I've consistently done well in my in my local game store tournaments, but to yeah. place third, um, I was the Third's top. Great. Did you win something for placing third? Like, did you get some extra packs or anything like that? So they did. They get no. They gave everybody an additional pack for completing all an additional booster pack for completing all four of your rounds. They do that okay, with all so of their events. So if you stuck around, you get uh, yeah a couple extra. Yeah, you didn't just lose your two your first two or three events and then go okay. I'll I'll take my booster pack and cut out. Like you have to stay and play all four rounds. Um which I'm totally for that. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Sure. But it was really good. It was a really fun event. Um, uh, Rise of the Floodborne has been an awesome set so far. A lot less, Ian and I both agree, there's a lot less dud cards in the set. Um, Impactful almost across the board. So it's cool. Um, But it's hard parts getting your hands on cards. So if if you're interested in Lorcana and you're playing Lorcana, if you're having a hard time finding cards, hit me up. I will try to give you all of the information and knowledge I have as I'm scouring everywhere, trying to figure out when things are going to drop. I do know at the big box stores, your local game store should have cards now. So call your local game stores. The big box stores are supposed to receive their product in December 1st. And we're already seeing some of the big box stores put them for pre-order online, like Best Buy, 
Barnes and Noble, GameStop, Walmart, Target, and some other local or like local grocery stores and stuff like that that are regional. So, um, okay, so we're actually seeing, you know, I'm impressed by how many people are honestly still playing the game, um, considering how hard it has been to get your hands on cards and yeah. how expensive those cards have been. You know, to have 40 people show up is kind of I don't know. It's impressive to me because, you know, it's not easy to find cards, you know, and I'm really I am really excited as well that there are uh, it's maybe going to get a little bit easier to get your hands on cards. What was your favorite card from Bloodborne so far? Is there like one that you just really liked or anything that you were super stoked about? Okay, let me think about that Um, because it because it's on the spot questions. It's tough because there's because I haven't gotten my hands on all of the cards yet. So a card that I think is going to be really, really cool that I haven't gotten to play yet, but I'm really excited about. So I had already made a discard deck um, in green and yellow. So emerald and, and amber. And they little did I know prior to all the Floodborne releases, I had been playing this deck. It was very off meta, but I had been doing really well with it. They put out a whole bunch of discard cards in green um, as a part of Floodborne which is only going to make that deck better. And it's supposedly one of the top performing decks right now. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited about uh, building that discard deck. There's a card called Prince John. He was a three okay. coster that um, every time your opponent discards a card while he's on the battlefield, you get to draw a card. So he's a card engine. Oh, through that's great. Through. I mean, the game really needs that. Like we yeah. said that from the very beginning and he's a green card, which is yeah. great because it's yeah. not, all in purple, you know, some cards. Yeah, all, a lot of the discard cards are tend are, are showing up in, in Emerald. Um, I think the card that I'm very interested in, um, I don't know how good it will be, but I'm intrigued and I'm trying to build like a, an off meta, but like a surprise deck for it is, I think it's like the witch. It's the witch from um, who gives Snow White the apple in Snow uh, White. Okay, the queen, I think, right? Is that her name? Well, the queen's the one who's like running the mirror in the background who's like okay, trying her right, down. Right. Yeah, it's the queen, but she turns into the witch, right? Or like the okay. old Oh, lady, okay, yeah. The okay, granny. Okay. Literally like the old hag woman. Yeah, the old hag granny who's like shows up at her window. She's like, apple? Would you mm-hmm. like an apple? Um, She's a card in Emerald. And then she's either three cost or four cost, but she she's a two, three stat line. It's not that great, but she says, when you exert me, just turn when you turn me sideways, you may discard a card from your hand and instantly gain the lore value printed on that card. Oh, so there's a, okay. a there's a two cost Flynn Rider card that has four lore printed on it, and it says you this card has one less lore for every card in your opponent's hand. So if your opponent's hand is empty, he's got four lore for two for uh, for two ink, which is really really good. But, but that's not super common, so it's easier to like discard him. If you discard him off the top, it's always going to do the four, right? Well, if you can, if you just you discard it from hand. So, oh, if you've got oh, him okay. in hand, you just turn the witch queen hag sideways. He's still got the four lore uh, as printed on the card. You just discard him, and you gain four. Okay, by just tapping a character, which is really great. So, um, I'm interested in trying to make a deck with that. I think that's going to be. Probably one of my favorite. Also, an un, an un, a secret card that we found out was really good. Um, it's a one cost card in Sapphire called the Popsicle. Oh, it's from okay. um, it's the little paw printed little popsicle from Zootopia uh, that he makes at the uh, beginning of this of the. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. We watched Zootopia or part of it the other day, but I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that like the elite, it's like the illegal popsicle, whatever it is. You play, uh-huh. you play it on turn one. Only cost one. You play it on turn one, 
and it says you can keep this item on board and you can banish it to heal it to to uh, health to any of your characters at any time. So it's it's a waiting healing buff on the board that you get to choose at a later time to use at any point that you choose. And it says you may also draw a card. So it it refills your hand immediately and you now have a static uh, heal two on board, which is great. Hmm. So cool. it was it has been a really, really strong card out the gate. Um so yeah, just well, if you guys cards. are if you guys listen to the show and you've been playing some Larkana and you want to check it out in the Discord, let us know. Just like, hey, what if have you been enjoying it? You check out. I saw there are a couple of people who were talking about it, so there's some conversation going on about it in the Discord mm-hmm. uh, about what people were picking up at that pre-release event and what people were picking up as it's coming out and hitting stores. So let us know if you're checking it out for sure. Um, but one of the things that you and I have been doing is we've been playing a little bit, not a ton, but we've been playing a little bit of uh, Monster Train. Monster. Which is, yeah, which is a little uh, roguelike. So I played it on stream this week. I got a couple of rounds in. So I'm going to give like an update on where I am with the game. Then I think we're going to talk about factions a little bit. I So I played it. I beat it. I came back to it. It does get harder each time you beat it. So like the second time I've come back, I got to the end a couple of times and wasn't able to beat it. But here's my thought. I think that this game is really good. If you like roguelike deck builders that are primarily about breaking the game and getting like a super powerful combo that just can't lose because the way the last boss fight is in this game is like in like you are going to lose unless you get something that's like just busted, like a combo that's just completely busted. Has that been your experience, Gibby? Yes. And in, and to add to that, especially as the difficulty goes up, I mentioned this before that a narrative I had heard around Monster Train was is that it definitely rewards you for understanding what is what cards do, understanding like like a lot of rogue deck builders, what cards do and memorizing play patterns, knowing what the bosses do. And there is reward in having like failed a bunch of times and then this is being a returning run that you like have a good like thought out plan ahead of time as you talk about like one of the ways that you build that unstoppable combo for whatever faction you're playing is having the forethought of how are you going to break this what do you need to acquire along with a powerful card that you get early on in your run to create the breaking combo it's not so much of like a you stumble across it and you're like, wow, this was really good and I didn't intend it to be. To me, it's a I failed a couple times. I've seen this card. It performed well for me, like well on a previous run that I might have still failed on. But now what do I need to add to this card? What keyword? What stat line? What initiator card do I need to add to this to break it? Like having the foresight, the foresight to like know what you need to acquire is important. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that definitely experience with the game and just like knowing what traits you want on your characters and maybe some of the things that exist. The other thing that I'll say that I don't know, I I don't know if this is what how I feel about this. I'm just not super impressed with it is I've gotten a lot of the same things over and over again. Like um, there's that guy who's like a caravan and you get to choose like one of a, There's like a couple of, I don't know if there's story elements per se, but I feel like there's a lot of those like random things that you come along. Like most of them are like remove two cards from your deck, heal yourself, add an ability, add a trait, like all of the same things that you would see in any rogue. Like 
But then there comes a point sometimes where it's like an ice cave or something. And it's yep. sort of like a random encounter like you would have. Yeah. The ice cavern in, is meant to be random. Yeah, exactly. Like Slay the Spire, except Slay the Spire might have a bunch of them. And this one really only has like maybe one or two a run. But I, I've like, I meet like the same guy with the same options almost every run. And it's like, I feel like, I don't know if that's lazy. Like, I'm not even sure why it's random. If it's going to basically be 50% shot of seeing something you've already seen. I, maybe that, maybe I'm just unlucky too. Like that's a real possibility. Yeah. I don't know if it's level based, like, like, like how difficult the run is. I don't know if it's faction based. Uh, yeah, and could I also, be. And I also don't, yeah, or you might just be, unlu- or you might just be unlucky. Maybe there's a handful of, of, of possibilities that you could end up for one of these random encounters. And you've unfortunately pulled a couple similar ones multiple times on your run. So it's, it's it felt redundant, but um, yeah, I don't know. Cause like without knowing the background pool of either playing that have like played like a hundred runs to have seen at most likely at that point, what all the options are or knowing what the background pool is just by seeing background data what yeah. the options are what the possibilities are to pull from certain events like we we had a lot more i think transparency to some of those things like in wild frost or even in uh slay the spire slay the spire because we had played a lot more runs of it at that point versus wild frost we had seen some of the background data and read some of some of some guides on some things about here's what you're going to run to at this point um so yeah, different different methodologies for coming across the right results yeah yeah i'd say that's i mean I mean, maybe that's true maybe it's just like not enough runs of it um but i mean the game does have factions we wanted to talk about that I, like i feel like monster train for me so far hasn't really been a hit like i've played it a little bit i've kind of felt i don't want to say bored um but i've kind of felt it's felt a little basic and maybe there's something that i just haven't unlocked yet kind of like inscriptions or had a, a point in which there was just something that i hadn't unlocked and then it was like, oh my gosh, there's so much more game here than what I thought there was. But so far with Monster Train, I've kind of been like, eh, I mean, maybe I need to get a couple more hours into it. But I'm like, I'll just play Slay the Spire. Like, I feel like Slay the, like this has the unique thing of the levels and the minions that fight back and forth each round. I think that's unique. But I feel like Frostfell does that better than this. And I feel like Slay the Spire does the core mechanics of a roguelike deck builder better than this. You said when you say Frostfell, you're talking about Wild Frost? Wild Frost. Yeah, I always okay. say Frostfell, but I meant Wild Frost. Yeah, I think okay. the Wild Frost. Sure I'm, I'm making the great right comparison. Yeah. Now, granted, Wild Frost came after this. So I know it's an improvement on some of the stuff that you see from Monster Train, and Wild Frost is arguably a little bit harder. But uh, out of all of the roguelikes that I've played so far this year, card game wise, I think that this is so far, I'll give the final verdict next week. This is so far my least favorite of the roguelike card games. Um, yeah, I'm going to hold my it's cards not a little bad. But. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm not out on it by any means. And I think I'm going to hold my cards a little closer to my chest with where my final verdict might fall. Um, but I know, but I, I understand the sentiment of there's nothing coming out and grabbing me about this right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing it. I'm enjoying the, the gameplay. It's while I'm in a run, it is capturing my attention, but it is not drawing me to it while I'm away. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not like, oh, I got to get back to that game. Or thinking thinking about this challenge or thinking about how to beat this specific thing. Um, I think there's, yeah, I, th- I think for me, maybe one, maybe one thing that's not capturing my necessary attention is some of the flavor 
like like I think Wild Frost does a really good job of that with some of the characters or making things a bit brighter. Um, I, I end up just kind of getting some of the options for p- ways to upgrade my deck, and I'm just like, okay, I'll pick one of them, and then I end up dropping that guy on the battlefield, and he just like no no minion stands out to me as feeling like particularly like flavorful so, even like over the top flavorful like yeah. they're like the, the amount of the amount of times that we named characters by like specifically by name in other games other mm-hmm. roguelike deck builders because they were like memorable or they were impactful is that happened i i, can, yeah. I couldn't tell you a single name of a single character in yeah in Monster in Chain, personally that's definitely i think that's fair so it's, let's talk about the individual factions real yeah. quick and then we'll do our little Thanksgiving thing before we get out of here. Um, so there's three factions that you sort of start with. And I think there's one more, two more that you two can more. kind of, two more you can unlock. And then I think there's one more that's available for DLC. So yes. just first off, I think it's Umbra that's available for DLC or is uh, it no, Wormkin? It's, it's Wormkin. Wormkin is the yeah. DLC the two that you get out the gate, as I understand it, are Hellhorned, Awoken, and the uh, Stygian Guard. Guard. Stygian Guard, yeah. yeah. The two that you gain uh, at some point as you can continue to progress are Umbra and the Melting uh, Ren- Remnant. Remnant? Yeah, the yeah, Melting, melting remnant. remnant. So you have, have you have unlocked any yet? I've unlocked Umbra. Uh, okay. Not the Melting, not the melting uh, Remnant. Okay, so I have not unlocked anything yet. Uh, evidently, I suck at the game, or but uh, <laughs> I just haven't unlocked any. Um, but I've been playing, I, I mean, I'm sure you played this, right? The Hellhorned is mm-hmm. kind of the faction that you play with at first, which is kind of like demons and, and stuff like that. Seems to play around a lot with basically like really wants to increase the health and attack of your minions, right? Like your the characters that you throw out are pretty pretty chunky boys a lot of armor sort of like the classic tank feel in my thought yeah it's very much like melee based kind of barbarian style get big beefy units that have big stats and use either targeted damage spells that are all like hell kind of themed and focused um with your with those kind of like single target spells or mm-hmm. use spells to like rage your characters or temporarily increase their health or their damage uh, for a couple rounds. So send them into rage or um, give them like piercing or give them additional armor, like those kind of keywords. So make sure that they can get past people's shields or give them armor so they withstand more damage or every time you give them a stack stacks of additional damage through rage, things like that. So it's very much barbarian physical armor focus and just be bigger than your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, is fun. That's the faction I've played the most of. Um, definitely good to get kind of like flurry on them and stuff. Have you done much with this next faction, the awoken Gibby? the awoken? I haven't played as much, mm-hmm. um, given the opportunity. Cause I've, I went through and kind of read, the three basic factions after getting through my first run and determined that the Stygian guard was really where I wanted to like, okay, what I wanted to get to. So the awoken kind of got skipped a little bit for me, but I did in my first run, because you can sometimes get cards that kind of dip into other factions, even though like you're starting out a run in one faction. Like I had a card that was definitely from the awoken. 
Okay. Like from the Awoken like, mm. like faction and group, like in all of its abilities too. So like it had like sweep. So it attacks basically everything. Yeah. Um, all at once. So but I've played them as sort of like an assistant or like a side faction, like my secondary faction. Yeah. And they have a lot of like healing, um, a good bit of like protection, like, but mostly as a side one, they have healing. And I found that to be a little underwhelming, uh, to be honest, like at least as my secondary faction, like me too. healing didn't come into play that much for me. Yeah. Regen to me feels a bit weak um, mm-hmm. because a lot of the regen typically happens right before combat like you it's on your turn and you're like oh i'm gonna regen a unit and yeah it might allow you to live have a character live through to not say it's not not saying that region is useless but the some of the region cards and they might be have been basic that i ran into or i played with were like region a character's health and give them like regen for like an additional turn or like plus one regen for after next turns and um it felt like I was either throwing it on a, on a, on a character that was already at full health that then they just got walloped by somebody and died anyway, before they could regen the health after the, at the end of the turn. Yeah. Or the damage is so much higher than like a point of regen. Yeah. Or, or they, I healed them up to a little bit to where they survived a hit, but there was not enough regen going on for it to make it another turn anyway. So like they regen and survived a hit. And then the next turn, they just got massacred again. Like they probably what probably mm-hmm. would have happened anyway. Yeah, yeah. There were some pretty cool spells of the faction. Um, some stuff that would do some like all area damage and things that I think were pretty good. I enjoyed that side of it, but like the regen and the healing itself didn't seem all that impressive. It's just like the numbers are so huge in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I played one with the, the Stygian the Stygian guard. Yep. Um, but you said you kind of like, and they're kind of like uh, underwater themed, like the Awoken is sort of like nature themed Stygian guard, which is kind of a weird theming for me. Like all of it is a little bit because none of them very feel very hell like and the Awoken or the Stygian guard, at least the Stygian guard is kind of like an aquatic sort of like evil merfolk, evil water people faction. Yeah, that's kind of what I get from them as well. Or it's almost like kind of like dark magic ish. Is, yeah. is kind of the theme that I get from them. But yeah, I did play some with them. What my initial attraction was to the Stygian Guard, and it didn't necessarily play out like I thought it was going to, uh, but my initial attraction to them was, okay, they're very, very spell-focused, which mm-hmm. theoretically, if I'm playing a lot of powerful spells from hand and not necessarily playing a lot of characters out on board, that technically gives you an element of... Uh, monster train that may not be another roguelikes is that you have limited board space on each of your different levels of your train. Yep. So the more spells you're 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 playing in my head was the more spells you're playing, the less space problems you're having on each level, trying to find space of or struggling to figure out what units to play. Because once a once a unit's down, as far as I understand, unless you have the ability to move them to another level, they're there. They have yeah, to you die can't, in order you can't like replace them or anything. Yeah. Like that. So like if you could replace them, then sure, you've alleviated some of that problem. But with it need being more spell focused, it's kind of difficult to or it's it's not as difficult to worry, have to worry about the space issue. You can get a couple powerful units down that maybe take up a little bit more space because the only the, the only you only need the couple powerful units to really buff up the spells that are in your hand. 
Um, they had some unique mechanics that I thought was um, kind of pretty cool. A little bit more hand manipulation, which you t- you tend to have a pretty big hand, more cards than you can play anyway in a turn in your hand. Especially it just sort of depends on what abilities you get to discount stuff. I had one game where that wasn't the case. I pretty much everything ended up being free most rounds in my hand. But for, was it an artifact right. like, that like when you played a spell, everything that was cheaper than that spell hit yep. zero? Yep, yep, I had that as well. And that was a really great. That's a really good example of how you can work Break around some game, of them. Yeah. But what I what I ended up using as a mechanic, which I was really intrigued by uh, in the Stygian Guard was offering. So there are certain cards that will be labeled as offering that you can play a spell, hit a card in your hand that has the offering spell and that card becomes free. Oh, OK. So it's a little bit of like a way a discount mechanic to be able to discount a card in your hand to play a powerful card. But then if you hit a card that had an offering on it, then you get that card for free and it's powerful as well. So um, I really liked the offering mechanic. You, I felt like it was something that was actually like as long as you go throughout your run was actually worth building your deck towards. Like you could look for that keyword and go, I need to worry about how many offerings are I have in my hand or in my deck to optimize a number of them. Like that felt relevant to, to do mm. that. I, I also think the frostbite mechanic in, in here is for the Stygian guard is really cool. I didn't get a chance to play. Like I actually intentionally chose not to, because I was trying to go a little bit harder into the offering mm-hmm. mechanic and master it. But like being able to deal damage at the end of your turn, equal to the number of the stacks that you've got, like for the frostbite is really, really good because it, it just compounds. It's a, it's one of those mechanics that you don't really, really realize how, how hard it can stack until it does. Yeah. I, I was, I read it and I felt like it was kind of like regen, but like it doesn't just do one point of damage and tick down. Right. It does the amount of frost that is yeah. on it or whatever. And yep, then it, it stacks. Ticks down. So if you have 10, it's just weird to me because it what felt underwhelming is like you don't really have a lot of time like when these guys are out on the board right they're not sticking around for a really long time like they might stick around for a while in in like wild frost Hmm. um like they're they're gonna be on the first level second level third level and then they're gonna go until it's over you know until they die up top basically or until they kill your you know your crystal and so like you're only gonna get a chance to stack that stuff up once or twice and then it's only gonna get a chance to tick down really once or twice and so you know for me i was kind of like eh, i don't know i you know i guess it's fine i guess it's fine but it's it just didn't seem super impressive to me which is kind of why i didn't go that direction yeah but it's, it's like it's like you better find powerful powerful cards that stack for more than one if you're going to make it worth its while and play them early and get get yeah. the most get you the big most bang for your buck like out of that or if there was stuff that could like do it in large numbers to like there is stuff to like in increase your um like your spell power and so like i guess that would probably work on that too you mm. got some of the abilities that let you you know increase it by eight or ten points you're putting a lot more on a whole bunch of people at once but yeah did you get a chance to play the last faction that you unlocked at all uh the umbra i did get to play yeah. a game of the or a run of the umbra and kind of the introductory when you're playing umbra the the major um kind of mechanic within umbra is like the whole morsels and gorging idea so you're playing units on board that have the ability to gorge and you're playing units behind it that are morsels that um 
basically can be eaten on board and it powers up your units. So instead of sacrificing cards in your hands for powerful effects like you are in the Stygian Guard, you're sacrificing weaker, smaller units on your board that typically don't aren't very well statted to gain stats, gain powerful abilities, and kind of grow almost like these unstoppable tank units that just themselves take care of levels. Mm. Um, so I didn't actually have a whole lot of success on the one run that I did, and maybe it was some card choices that I made in in that one run but i think i lost to like the third boss it was just slow it was hard to get it going because you needed to get one you need to draw the right hand and maybe i just didn't draw the right hand but you needed to have both a morsel and a gorger in your hand be able to play them both on the same level and then they needed to like get to the point where they actually like morsel and gorged each other to then get the effect and the effect had to be relevant for whatever opponent you were facing because it's not always that case right it's not a one-size-fits-all like the keywords aren't always a one-size-fits-all kind of solution for you where something like direct span like spell damage from hand might be or like an aoe attack of sorts or even just having good stats like like the hell the hell faction does so um i found that kind of an underwhelming Mm. uh way to play but i also felt like i had some pretty basic cards from it um, mm. something else that's in the umber faction that seems pretty good is lifesteal uh, and damage shield damage shielding so damage shielding is a full neg- there doesn't re- doesn't matter what the attack strength is it negates the entire attack the entire hit i did get that i got at one point where like my my little like robotic guards that you start with in your deck got like two of that on each of them and so like they became a lot more powerful and resistant to absorbing damage and stuff i kind of like that let them tank a little bit instead of just being useless well that and that was a powerful mechanic in wild frost too was that little like wooden totem thing that could just tank an entire hit for you and you didn't care if yeah. it died or like the prismatic like ice block that went on things yeah. uh, on yeah. the crabs at one point like they were they were obviously very good as well yeah just being able to structure and move or like place in front just to tank entire hits and just keep your your good units up buys you a little bit of time i i like that mechanic i think that's going to be uh something that I, I i try to mess around with a little bit more yeah yeah well i'm hopefully gonna unlock uh this other faction and get a chance to check them out before we wrap up our coverage and in december guys we're gonna be back with some episodes talking specifically about um uh, we're gonna be talking about all of the games that we played this past year hopefully dbn will be back on joining us he'll be worked into his new job and we're gonna talk about some of the highlights over the past 12 months as we've toured various digital card games what were our favorites what do we like the most what are we continuing to play what got us into other things we'll be doing a couple of episodes featuring that leading up to christmas um so but in the spirit of thanksgiving gibby as we're getting ready to go um i just thought it'd be good to close out tonight's episode but just saying hey man what are what is one or maybe two things that you're just thankful for this year like how what what blessings are you counting as uh, as you're as you're getting ready to close out 2023 now i have to warn you this is gonna there's gonna be some cliche in here well you have it has to right there's gonna be some sappy moments in here so buckle up strap buckle up buttercup yeah yes buckle up buttercup so i'll 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 hit on two major things it it, it, this is gonna be obvious i cannot go without saying that i am so thankful for my family and that i am so Mm -hmm. thankful to have successfully like my wife had a had a 
went through pregnancy this year and mm. we have a new addition to our family, a beautiful baby girl named Aubrey that we have been just infatuated with ever since she joined us in the world. She is, she was two months old. She's just over two months old now. And it has been two months of bliss and it has been a blur truthfully since she's been bored, like born, but like, that's like, I think that's normal, but it has been such a blessing to have her in the household and just look at her every day. And just the love that my wife and I share for each other and the admiration for our daughter and just looking at each other and the amount of people both in this community in the Lux community in real life at work in my family and my friends that have rallied around Mackenzie, myself and Aubrey just to take care of us and love on us and just show us that they they just they want to appreciate this little girl and welcome her into the world in their own special way um is is so amazing just to be able to reflect on and look back and just know that um there's so many people that I've interacted with in my life that mm-hmm. still find value in having me in their life and reaching out and appreciating um was such a monumental life event for me so and for my yeah, and for my yeah. wife so I, I'm so thankful for, for, for Aubrey. And then the day that the year that you become a dad is uh, the year that you become a parent is a, it's a big year, man. It's a big year. There's a lot of firsts in that year, you know, a lot of firsts. Yeah, um, it's been, it's been big. So I'll go, I'll hit my, my second one afterwards, but what's something that you are thankful for, Mark? You know, obviously there's a lot about, you know, that I'm thankful for with my family, my two little girls, my wife is awesome. Um, and thankful for them every year. Thankful for our church here at Lux. Um, I'm not here. This is Legends Cast, but like church at Lux and uh, all the all the awesome people I get a chance to work with from all across the world, and a lot of the opportunities we had this year. But I think the one that I'm most thankful for this year was I got to go back to Uganda over the course of July, and um, was just so thankful to be able to spend time with this little girl who was a four year old little girl when I showed up in Uganda the first time and, you know, just captured my heart um, because I had a little girl at home that was, you know, a couple years younger than her. She was two, Brooklyn was two when I went at first and sort of reminded me a lot of my kid. And so uh, being able to go back and see her at eight and being able to work inside of some of the Ugandan systems to be able to pull her out of a really bad abusive situation um, and just to be able to, she, of course, doesn't live with us. She lives in Uganda, but she lives at the orphanage now and she's much safer. And so I'm very thankful for Lynette, very thankful for my daughters, Brooklyn and Ari, very thankful for, for my wife, Jen, very thankful for our church and church family. And, you know, we did Friendsgiving Wednesday night or sorry, not Wednesday night, Sunday night this week. We had eight couples who were over at our house who, you know, we all kind of raise families together. Um, we do life together. Um, some of our absolute closest friends this year um, were about 35 minutes from us. We vacation with them and stuff. And um, they moved literally uh, less than two minutes from our house. Um, it is wow. less than a mile away from where we live. And so I'm just super thankful for really good relationships and really good friends. I talked to someone earlier today who was just saying like they switched jobs and stuff, not because they didn't have opportunities. They were just lonely. And I'm like, man, I can say with some level of legitimacy, I have not been lonely in a really, really long time. Um, And that is just because we have so many amazing people and relationships that have gathered around us. And so I know that's an anomaly, but I'm very thankful for it. 
Yeah, it's nice having a tribe both in person and online, and, online. And, just, and just all of the hobbies that you do. And that kind of that's um, um that's phenomenal that you've you've had such a a, a non lonely just a um. Yeah, I think there's no other way to put it. Just a tribe of people around you that yeah. share a collective goal of growing their own families and also supporting yours and sure in the same kind of place in life, which is great. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a good year. It was a good year. So what's your second thing that you're thankful for, Gibby, and then we'll get it, out of here? It rolls right into what you were just talking about, but not so much of a, an in-person um, connection, but one online in a lot of our our communities. So I, this, like I said, it might be cliche. It might be sappy but i'm really thankful for this community that we've mm. that we've built on um that you and dbn built that i i was so thankful to be able to join last year but i i'm really thankful for our camp legend community and mm. all of the different avenues that we do we're for aos airwaves and my pokemon unite team for all of our almost legends recordings and our legends cast recordings like we have so many different avenues and so many different ways that i've been able to express my love of games and my love of my hobbies. And it has been particularly important for me as I've continued to move with my wife to support her career in all of these different states and cities. I mean, I went from Virginia to Delaware, Delaware to Memphis, Tennessee. By the, by the, before the end of next calendar year, we won't be living in Memphis, Tennessee anymore. We'll be in somewhere that we don't even know where that is right now. Um, it's to be determined depending on where she gets a job and where we both kind of find our hearts to, to settle, settle down and live. So the constant moving is takes a toll and is hard. But mm. the one thing that I, I can always count on is this community, uh, both in gaming and at Lux. And I can count on my D&D group and just the outlets to be able to pursue my hobbies where I don't feel lonely either. I don't have a tribe around me of 10 other couples that also are raising families that live a mile or two down the road from me. But I have a community at my fingertips that I can go to and reach out to and support and be supported by at any point across my day, across my week, that there's so many wonderful people that I'm, I'm thankful for that we have in contact with through discord and through, through Lux and through D and D and through uh, my a or AOS airwaves and, and past primates for, for Pokemon unite. So just, I love our gaming community and everything that comes with it. Yeah. We really do have a, we really do have a great online community, man. Yeah, it is nice in a world now where you can move and still can't still get connected with a great group of people, and you know, still you know, still work on those relationships and still hang out, and you know, especially you guys unite community. You guys got yeah. a, a rocking community, you guys who play unite together for sure. And some of those some of those gaming communities can be really uh, unfriendly and really toxic and just just <laughs> downright mean and. I've I've had none of those experiences. I will say over the past year, where we've just we have such a supportive community where everyone there's just there's just no drama, which is great. Yeah, and I'm yeah. thankful for that for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, man, we got to get out of here. You got to get back to being a dad. I got to get this thing edited to go out in a couple of hours uh, and get it ready to go. So I'm gonna get out of here. You got to get out of here. But thanks for coming on tonight, Gibby, or today, Gibby, and. Um, of course, if you guys are listening in, be sure to check us out on Discord, check us out on Patreon, support if you like what we're doing here. We hope you guys have a really blessed and awesome Thanksgiving and a great start to the holiday season. Thank you guys for tuning in. And of course, as always, be sure to come back again for next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. 
You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network. <laughs>